0: Welcome to Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. Join us as we talk with national experts and advocates about strategies you can use in the pursuit of quality long-term care. In this episode, we are talking with Dr. Celine Gounder, who discusses the importance of nursing home residents and staff being up-to-date with their COVID-19 vaccinations. Dr. Gounder addresses questions about the efficiency of boosters and also how frequently nursing home residents and staff should be receiving them.
1: Hi, everyone, and um welcome to this podcast on the importance of COVID vaccinations and boosters and, and flu vaccinations. Um, my name is Sam Brooks. I'm the Director of Public Policy at the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care. Hopefully, you've seen our other podcasts and are joining this one. Um, the consumer voice is the leading voice for uh av- leading advocacy voice for our nursing home residents and uh residents of assisted living facilities across the the country. Um, we're really excited today and very honored today to have Dr. Celine Gounder here with us. Um, D- Dr. Gounder has agreed to take some time and talk with us today about the current state of where COVID is and the flu and also the importance of boosters. And um, she, uh, Dr. Gounder is an infectious disease specialist and epidemiologist. Um, she's a senior fellow at uh, Kaiser Family Foundation, a Clinical Associate Professor of Medicine at NYU in Bellevue and a CBS News contributor. She also served on the Biden-Harris Transition COVID Advisory Board. And I, I'll tell you this, her bio is much longer and much very, very impressive. So if you go to CelineGounder.com, you can read the whole thing. So thanks for joining us today, Doctor. Really appreciate it.
2: It's great to be here, Sam. Um,
1: so let's jump right in. I, I you know, I have three kids and we've all been sick with various diseases, um, including the flu and COVID. Um, Can you give us an idea of just what the current state of COVID-19 is in the country and flu? We're just hearing a lot about um, kind of a triumvirate of uh, of different um, viruses and diseases that are really hitting people hard right now.
2: We've seen, uh, in essence, three different waves here. So RSV started uh, really in August, hitting kids especially hard. And I think part of that is a result of kids not having been exposed over the last three years of the pandemic. So you have three years of kids who were born during that period who had no exposure. And unfortunately, we do not yet have a vaccine for RSV. Then you have a wave of influenza that started uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, uh, which has been spreading across the country. Vaccination rates for the flu have not been great during the pandemic, and even in an ideal year are only about 50%. And then finally, we have seen COVID uh, infections start to increase in the last couple of weeks, particularly after Thanksgiving. And we anticipate there will be a lot more transmission uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Unfortunately, you know, when people are um, gathering with family and friends, uh, they're often doing so without masks, uh, completely understandable. But that also means that you have people traveling from all over the country, getting together uh, in what would be risky situations for transmission. And so we are going to see an increase over the coming weeks uh, in COVID infections, hospitalizations, and deaths.
1: Can you talk a little bit about um, COVID-19 and who, who continues to be most at, most at risk from it at this time?
2: Yeah, the demographics, in particular the age breakdown of people who are hospitalized from COVID and dying from COVID has shifted. Uh, in the summer of 2021, almost half of COVID deaths were occurring among people under 65. Today, the vast majority, over 90% of COVID deaths are occurring among people over 65. And this is a reflection of the fact that even though they may be vaccinated, their immune systems are weaker. Uh, they don't; Their immune systems don't remember the teachings, so to speak, of the vaccination as well. And so this is a population that really, really needs to stay up to date with boosters, as well as take other precautions to reduce the risk of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID.
1: So if you've just been boosted once, excuse me, if you've just had your first shot, uh, two shots or one shot of COVID, your, your initial vaccine, that's not enough is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, especially for that older crowd, Um, one, two, even three shots of COVID vaccine is really not enough. There are updated COVID boosters that came out um, late this summer, early fall, and It is really important if somebody is over um, 65, if somebody has underlying medical conditions or is immunocompromised, it's so, if somebody's living in a nursing home or assisted living facility or other long-term care facility, that they get boosted this fall, winter, if they haven't already done so.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> That was one of the reasons we wanted to talk today. Um, data from um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the federal agency that Overseas um, nursing homes, uh, they, they've been compiling data on vaccination and booster rates for quite some time now, and the most recent numbers show only 46% of residents that are up to date um, with their boost with their vaccinations, and only 23% um, are up to date. Staff, excuse me, are up to date yeah. with their vaccinations. Is that a concern for you?
2: That is a concern, it's a concern um, to me that the residents are under-vaccinated and the staff are under-vaccinated. Uh, while the vaccines are not perfect in blocking infection and transmission, they do provide some degree of reduction in risk. That's, that is significant, particularly if staff are working with especially high-risk populations. So I would say anybody who's a healthcare provider, anybody working at a nursing home, Uh, in a homeless shelter, in corrections, in in these um, places where you have uh, essentially congregate settings and people who have underlying medical conditions. It's really important for everybody, uh, the people who are residents there as well as the staff to be vaccinated.
1: Right. So uh, I think we had talked about this before in another program, but Pfizer recently said the newest bivalent vaccine uh, produces four times more antibodies for people over 55 than the original vaccine does. Um, What does that mean for older adults? Are they going to be more protected? I guess you just talked about it a little bit. Could you just explain um, how that is compared to, say, the initial vaccination?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit hard to say, um, because there's a lot that goes into looking at these numbers, um, and we also have different variants that are circulating, and that's shifting over time. What I would say is that the new updated boosters are at least as good as the original vaccines. They are safe, they are highly effective. And if you have not yet got gotten your updated booster this fall, uh, it, it really is the time to do it now before the upcoming holidays.
1: And you know, one thing when we're talking with residents and even staff, um, they say, "Well, you know, I've I, I've had my how many shots do I need? You know, I've had this, I've had that, and um, uh, which is." kind of showing the efficacy in, in many instances of them staying healthy. Um, but I think there's some confusion out there, um, particularly among residents, is how frequent should they be getting their vaccination? So um, if they've had you know, their first shot, how often should they get a booster or should they get the new boosters? Is there some guidelines you can give around timing for, for uh, residents getting booster shots?
2: Well, what I would say, if you live in a nursing home or um, long-term care facility, you should be getting a booster every time a new one comes out, at the very least, um, because this is a particularly high-risk population. This is a group in which it might be more than once a year that you will need a booster. Um, and you know that's going to be different for younger people, people who um, are healthier, people who are not immunocompromised to have normal immune systems, but for people who are over 65 or living in a congregate setting, you know, we don't yet know how often it's going to be, but I would say it will be at least, at least once a year that they will need a
1: booster. And wouldn't you say that's maybe not as frequent, but it's also important for staff to have those boosters because they're really going among residents all day and actually leaving facilities and are more exposed to exposed to more people outside of facilities.
2: You know, I, I am a doctor. I see patients at the hospital, uh, Bellevue Hospital here in New York, and it is a privilege to be a healthcare care provider. Um, we are not forced to be healthcare providers or uh, personal care attendants or, you know, any of the other kinds of professional staff who care for people. And there is a professional duty not to do harm, uh, to do everything you can to protect the people that you are serving. And as part of that, you should be getting vaccinated to prevent transmission of infections to the people you're caring for. And while, you know, as I said, these vaccines are not perfect in preventing infection and transmission, they do reduce the risk. And so you need to layer that with other precautions like wearing masks and maybe testing, but vaccination is really a core piece of protecting the people you're caring for.
1: Thanks. I was just going to ask, um, you know, it it may not prevent, but as you say, it does um, certainly help um, mitigate um, some of the symptoms should you get it. Um, Some people, and I've heard this directly, have said, you know, well, I've got COVID. Should I still get vaccinated? Or asking, you know, if if they've had COVID in the past, should they still get a booster or should they still get vaccinated? Why does does having it um, serve as a sort of natural booster, I guess?
2: Well, yes, having COVID does serve as a natural booster, but it's not as good as getting a vaccination booster. And so just because you've had COVID does not mean you don't get, need to get vaccinated. It does not mean you don't need to get boosted, especially if you're working as a healthcare provider or um, in as a nurse or in other professions when you're caring for people, it is really important if you're one of those kinds of staff that you remain up to date with your boosters for your own protection, by the way, as well as for the protection of the people that you're caring for.
1: And you would say that again, this is probably applies to families as well, I mean, who are coming in to visit um, with uh, with nursing home residents, I imagine, correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. So if you're a family member, um, you know, who has a relative who's in one of these kinds of facilities, or who's immunocompromised, you know, if you're trying to do what's right by your relative, if you're trying to keep them safe, and healthy, it's really incumbent upon you to stay up with your vaccinations. And again, you may also be layering other protections like mask wearing, or testing to make sure you're testing negative before you make a visit. Um, because I don't think anybody wants to be responsible for um, the hospitalization or death of a loved one
1: And you know we've in in the in the press um, particularly we hear a lot about long covid and so even if you you know get covid and um, uh, are fortunate enough you know to survive um, this sounds like for some people that there are long lasting effects is it too early to to know what? what these effects are, are we getting some idea of um, what it can mean to have um, long-term COVID?
2: Long COVID probably um, describes a whole uh, number of different syndromes that are gonna be different in different people. Uh, It's everything from fatigue, brain fog, where you're not able to think properly, heart failure, kidney disease, uh, increased risk of blood clotting, uh, difficulty with your breathing, so there's a whole number of different ways in which this can manifest, some of which we may not even be aware of yet.
1: And that's very helpful. You talked earlier about other um, uh, precautions. You know, For a long time, masks were required in nursing homes um, for both staff and um, uh, for residents. And... Uh, Consumer voice has opposed this, but the CDC has somewhat relaxed that guidance, even allowing staff not to wear masks where community transmission levels are low. And I'm not asking you to comment on that, but can you talk about some continued, you know, best practices and to order to just to be sure? Even if um, you've you have your booster um, and you're all up to date with your your vaccinations, what's the best way for nursing home residents to to really stay safe? and protected from COVID.
2: You know, I think this is one of those things where it's common sense. We don't mandate that people use toilet paper after they go to the bathroom, but they do because that's the right hygienic thing to do. We don't mandate that people uh, wear a raincoat or bring an umbrella when it's pouring rain, but it's the smart thing to do. Do we need to mandate that people wear masks uh, because it's the right thing to do? I should hope not. I think a lot of people believe in the idea of personal responsibility, but that means you need to be responsible. And the right thing to do right now is if there's high levels of COVID transmission in your community is to wear a mask to protect other people, especially the most vulnerable uh, from being infected and and ending up in the hospital or, or dead.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's important here. And thanks for pointing that out again. Is that these are the folks that are most vulnerable, and they're in a congregate setting. Um, and you know, these are small these are small burdens on us um, to ensure their safety. One thing I had meant to ask, you know, it's also flu season. Um, people are getting flu shots. Can folks get the flu shot and boosters at the same time?
2: Yes, absolutely. It is perfectly safe to get your flu shot with your COVID shot. You might get a little bit more in the way of fever or um, achiness afterwards, but it's also perfectly safe to take medications like Tylenol, like ibuprofen. Your shots will work just as well, even if you take those around the time of your vaccination. Uh, There are certain other medical conditions where you may not want to take those medications, but as long as you're somebody who can safely take ibuprofen and Tylenol, Feel free to take a dose um, around the time that you get your shot, or maybe an hour before, and for the couple days afterwards, uh, that will reduce those side effects, and is and it's safe to do
1: so. And um, I know you mentioned that there. Um, I had heard something about RSV and treatment for older Americans. Um, I know there isn't a vaccine. Is there? Is there a treatment for RSV for older Americans? I think a lot of people, well, I guess I should say, I think a lot of people see RSV as a children's disease, right? Um, my children have had it. Um, and But it's something that um, uh, older Americans and adults like us need to be concerned about too, correct?
2: Yeah, we see what I would call a U-shaped curve. Um, So the U being high risk uh, for the youngest, then you have a drop in the risk um, for uh, people in their teens all the way up to maybe the 50s. And then starting in the 50s, you start to see an increase in risk again. So it's a U risk. And you see this with a lot of respiratory viruses, including RSV, the flu. COVID is evolving into a similar um, curve. And so, yes, absolutely. Um, All three infections are very high risk, especially for the very youngest. So for infants in particular, for kids under five in particular, and then for the oldest uh, and people with chronic medical conditions with immunosuppression for whatever reason.
1: Thank you. And I just wanted to make clear to to our audience that uh, as residents of nursing homes, these boosters must be made available to you um, by the facility, both boosters and flu shots. Um, and if you're, if if they're not being made available to you, you should ask for them. Um, and if that if that does not work, you can always contact your local long-term care ombudsman, or even file a complaint with the state um, survey agency. But um, we're not hearing a lot of issues about access to to these boosters. Um, So uh, please, please um, stay up to date with them. Um, Dr. Gounder, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, This is very, very, very helpful. We were, um, as I mentioned earlier, we're concerned about the, the booster and the vaccination rates and that people are forgetting how important it is. And you really hit home for us today just how important it is that they get stay up to date with boosters, stay up to date um, with their flu shots um, and also continue just the vigilance of masking and um, proper sanitation just to protect themselves and, and their loved ones. So um, I want to thank you again for being here. Um, we, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everyone for looking, uh, excuse me, for tuning in and and, and please uh, check back for more of our podcasts in the future. Thank you.
2: My pleasure. Happy holidays, everybody, and stay safe and healthy.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for joining us on Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. This podcast is a program of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care. Make sure to visit our website, theconsumervoice.org slash pursuingquality, where you can subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and find more information and resources. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>